daylight design with shading solutions. Um, for the uh, quick legal part, everybody can read it up here. Uh, we are a registered provider with the AIA. You'll be receiving one hour credit for this course. We will register that with CES records uh, for AIA members. If there's non-AIA members who want a certificate, uh, we're happy to provide it. Just afterwards, let me know. And um, I will get a certificate sent to you if you took the class. Uh, since this is a registered uh, AIA, we will be uh, class will be talking uh, generically about the subject. There won't be anything uh, specific to our products. But uh, after the presentation, if you have specific questions about uh, the products that we manufacture or the products that Advanced Home Theater installs, we're happy to answer those after the class. Okay. So uh, some learning objectives on this class. First is to uh, understand energy flow in the U.S. and uh, the energy consumption of today's modern buildings. Um, to recognize the energy divi divisions within a building um, that we can make more efficient. To define for you what uh, daylighting and daylight harvesting are and to understand the uh, best practice methods of both. To explain the benefits of automated shading systems and interior window treatments um, by way of explaining the solar properties of shades. And uh, the last but not least, we'll uh, review the applications of daylighting shade systems to actually conserve energy. So first, let's take a look at um, the history of energy consumption in the US so we can talk a little bit about the energy flow. As you can see here is up to about the mid 19th century, wood and coal were the main source of energy in the US. Um, in the 1930s and 40s in the US, petroleum took over as um, our main source of energy. Um, and about the mid-50s, natural gas took over as second to coal. As you can see, nuclear is fourth in line behind petroleum, natural gas, and coal, meaning that uh, natural resources are what we burn every day to create energy. Uh, oil shocks in the 70s created a scare for everybody. They caused prices to double, then triple in oil and petroleum, but yet they still increased, they still rose, people still continued to buy and use petroleum. Uh, the fear in the 70s, though, did have uh, some consequences. It pushed the U.S. government into action to develop codes for energy use, such as ANSI and ASHRAE. Um, and obviously today, energy consumption is on everybody's mind. We see it in the buildings that, that we're putting out there. So this is kind of a confusing graph. It was the first time I looked at it. On the left-hand side, you get all the energy in, and on the right-hand side, you get all the energy out. I'm going to skip this one um, and just show it to you in an easier way. Okay? Here's an easier way. Of all the U.S. energy consumption, 72% of it goes to generating power. The other 27% goes to transportation. Of that 100%, 57% of the power we generate in the U.S., or we consume in the United States, goes into commercial and residential buildings. So you can see it's a huge part of what we consume on a daily basis is in our everyday lives, in our houses, and in our businesses. Um, you can easily see that if we took a look at how we could reduce that footprint in our commercial and residential structures, we can make a huge dent into the energy consumption in the U.S. So here's kind of a way we can look at how it how it's used in a commercial building structure. So we know commercial and residential buildings take up 57% of the energy in a commercial building. Of that 57% globally, this is a 100% look at a residential or a, sorry, a commercial building. 
37% of the energy is used in lighting. The other 30% split between cooling, ventilation, and refrigeration. So 67% of what you use in a building is lighting and HVAC. Okay, 10%, um, 4% for computers, 10% for other things, and so on and so on. Good question. I don't have that. Um, actually, cooling is moving, moving the cool air. Refrigeration is actually removing heat. So there are two different things. Make up HVAC. Yep, make up, make, make up your HVAC. So, again, that's roughly 30% when you add those together with their percentage points behind them. Are you saying within the energy code that that right number is reduced? Uh, I'm saying that we can, as, as we'll show you, there are ways through automated shaving and daylight harvesting and daylighting to reduce that number. Sure, there's um, regulations out there that will bring that down as well, but everything we can do is going to help. So uh, what we're we discussing today is uh, ways we can address these big power users within the building with both daylighting and shading controls. Um, the percentage of consumption that can be reduced and, and made more effective by employing these energy savings is significant. When you think 67% of it, of the total energy is used, and 67% uh, of that 57%. That means that we can impact up to 27% with just lighting and HVAC, with automated shading, daylighting, and daylight harvesting. We can impact 27% of the entire energy consumption in the United States, just in those two areas. Uh, put it in perspective, that is the entire U.S. transportation sector is 27% of our energy usage. And we can influence that just in lighting and HVAC in commercial and residential buildings. Uh, I have them at the end. I have them all. Um, yeah, it's a go the, the government. You know, it's, um, I can give you all the work. At the end, I can give you that if you need to know where, where all these numbers come from. So let's talk uh, first about daylight harvesting. What is daylight harvesting? Uh, daylight harvesting is taking a source of natural light and using it to effectively illuminate interior spaces. It can be done by installing skylights, exterior windows uh, that, take, care, that uh, take advantage of natural light within interior spaces and combine it with interior light to illuminate a space. Daylighting controls utilize this contribution of natural light and automates how the building reacts to it by dimming or switching off loads within a building to maintain a comfortable light level. Meaning if there's enough light coming through the windows, I don't need as much light coming out of the, I don't need to burn as much energy and light using um, artificial lighting. There's many benefits too, not just uh, the, the energy. Um, there's, uh, there's natural rhythms that your body produces. There's medical benefits to having natural light rather than being in an artificial light. If you don't believe it, go sit in a room with a window for three hours and then go sit in a room with just fluorescent light for three hours and you'll be able to tell a difference in the way your body feels. I mean, everybody, everybody's shaking their head, you know. When there's light in a room, you feel it, right? It's a circadian rhythm that your body feels and it's better for you to have natural light. So let's talk about some daylight um, techniques, right? Utilizing windows and other openings and reflective surfaces, um, light shelves, light wells, skylights, light pipes, glazing, in glass interior walls, photovoltaics, long word, 
um, are techniques that we can use to light the interior of a building using daylight. The key to that is the ability to be able to control artificial light when the natural light is consistent. So if you look here, um, what this is basically showing you is from a window I have a natural light coming in. And as I get further away from the window, I have to raise my lights. And as I'm closer to the window, I have to lower the lights. By consistently having 30-foot candles at the floor, you can see in a normal environment, the lights are all on at the same. The ability to control that light and dim independent zones based on the lighting in those zones, we can conserve energy in those spaces. Okay? We can use photocells as a sensor to pick up light in certain areas. And as the natural light is higher, we can lower the artificial light. As the natural light gets lower, we can raise the artificial light. Using these photosensors, we can make sure that you have a, a, natural, or a, a consistent light throughout your space while conserving energy. So as long as the combined levels produce a set amount of light, the occupants can't tell a difference. Okay. Now, there are concerns with daylighting. People have windows are the largest source of heat gain in a building. We all know that. 50% of the heat that enters a building comes through the windows. 25% of space conditioning, natural air conditioning within a building, is wasted through the windows. Um, energy escapes at a rate of 10 to 13 times faster through a window. It's two-thirds of the salvable energy is lost at the window area. So energy we're putting in a building, we're gaining heat through them, and we're losing out them. Um, we're going to talk when we get to the shades about solar heat gain coefficient. So I want to kind of talk about what that is. Um, solar heat gain coefficient is how well a window blocks heat from the sunlight. It represents a percentage of the heat from the sun that will actually enter through the window. The lower a window is SHGC, the less solar heat that is transmitted through it. Uh, it can be significantly reduced, however, by putting proper window treatments on the back side of the window, okay? Like shading systems. A way to manage that thermal energy, thermal energy uh, is to use low SHGC glass, to use a, a U-factor glass, which is actually the U-factor is the heat flow through the window, to use um, low AL glass, which is low air leakage glass, again, keeping the air and, and the conditioned air inside. Um, there's a lot of strategies involved when we talk about layering windows for energy. Another concern or side effect of all these is obviously glared surfaces. Right? With light coming through, you can see on the right-hand side that picture, the glare that's on the floor created by having the light come through. Um, we want to continue to harvest that light, but to reduce the glare that it creates in the workspace. This is, um, <laughs> this is funny. This is actually in our office. Blinds are missing in the center window, so obviously someone decided some cardboard and duct tape keeps the glare off their computer just fine. They don't need to do anything. Uh, tactics for managing glare and heat. I think we've all employed these at one point or another. Hoods, Bahama shutters, outdoor shutters, putting a tree in front of the window, putting a trellis and vines out in front. Ways to manage it. Um, it's permanent. You can't get rid of it. And in a lot of places, it, it, has, um, it can mar the facade and have uh, detrimental effects to the building over a long period of time. There is a better way to do it. 
and that is to control both natural light and heat with automated shading. Controlling light isn't the only element of daylighting, it's also controlling heat levels, so controlling both light and heat levels. Automated shading is the most effective way to resolve both issues. The purpose um, and benefit of window treatment and shades, um, as we've talked about, they'll help with your energy efficiency, they'll help keep the solar heat gain um, from happening in your space. One of the added benefits that no one thinks about is they'll also keep the UV out, so they'll keep a lot of the UV protection, they'll, they'll protect a lot of your interior finishes from UV harm. We uh, just showed you, you know, a slide there with a lot of glare. They'll help keep the glare down. Um, not to mention if you need private spaces or you need to darken a space, you can also achieve these with window treatments. Choosing the right shade fabric is paramount to getting your shading systems working properly. Um, designers, owners, they're going to want to pick fabrics just based on the way they look. You're going to need to tell them that you also need to pick fabrics based on the way they react. Um, you're the fabric expert when you're doing shades or you're hiring a fabric expert when you're doing shades. So your owner, the designer needs to understand there's a purpose to these. They aren't just there to look nice, although that's a benefit. They have a purpose. So talking about that, there's a few things you can learn easily to guide your homeowner or your designer, um, developer, your owner, to pick the right fabrics um, for any application so there's no surprises. It only takes a few minutes to learn them and you can talk to them about how different fabrics can solve different problems or fill different needs like the solar properties, open factor, effectiveness of color, fabric types, composition and other characteristics. So we'll talk about those. So let's talk first about fabric, uh, shade fabric solar properties. So there are four basic um, factors and they will add up to be 100% of the solar energy. So you're going to have the first, which is solar transmittance. This is the percentage of the solar energy that actually passes through the fabric. Obviously, we want this number to be as low as possible. Second would be the reflectance. What part of that solar energy does the fabric actually reflect back off of it? What part does it absorb? So it's going to let some through. It's going to reflect some. It's going to absorb a little bit. And then the last, those will, I'm sorry, those will all three equal to 100% of the solar energy. The last one will be what percentage of the visual light will it allow to transmit through. So even with a shade down, we'll be able to calculate how much of the light will come through that shade for your daylighting. Okay? Because there's so many fabric choices, each one, and we've got, um, you know, we've seen books with 200, 300 fabrics in it, and then every one of them the back of the fabric, these three, factor, these three factors are always printed in any type of solar shade fabric that you look for. Okay, So you're, e you're able to very easily see what that fabric does. The second thing is openness factor and the effect of color. Um, openness factor is very simple. What is the rate of the open space to the fabric material? So if I'm a 5% openness factor, 95% of my material I can't see through, 5% of it I can see through. So the higher the number, the more light it's going to let in, the better view you're going to have through the fabric. The lower the number, the less the light is in, but it, the greater the UV protection. Obviously, the smaller the holes, the smaller, the, the less that comes in. 
What does that color, why does color matter? Because in different colors, um, black or dark colors tend to absorb heat better. Lighter colors tend to reflect heat better. So uh, depending on what you're trying to do, the color will also matter. And again, when you're shopping fabrics, all of these things are listed on the fabrics for you. So here's uh, you know, kind of like what we talked about. Light colors reduce heat gain. They reflect more light back into spaces. Dark colors, they reduce glare, but they, um, they hold heat better. Dual-sided fabrics, that's the best of both worlds. Dual-sided fabrics are generally lighter on one side and darker on the other. They'll reflect heat and they'll reduce glare. They get you kind of the best of both worlds with a double-sided fabric. However, there is an economical impact. Dual-sided fabrics generally cost more than just a single-sided fabric. So um, here's kind of an idea, a, a little uh, chart for you, depending on what you need to do in your space, what kind of fabrics you should consider for that. So if you're looking to just reduce glare and enhance your visual comfort, 5% open factor and less, um, with a dark color facing in the room. You want to maintain your view outside. You want greater than 5%. We can see through them better. You want your dark colors facing the room. Uh, you want to protect your interiors from fading. Keep out the UV. We want to obviously go with a less than 1%. As close, you know, as closed as we can get. If I want to energize my energy efficiency, I want less than 5%. Again, with the light fabrics facing towards the window to reflect as much as we can. And if I want both, like we talked about, dual-sided fabrics are the way to go. The dark color facing and the light or reflective color facing the window, you're going to be able to see through it better because the darker is inside. You're going to reflect the light better because the lighter is facing the outside. Okay. Let's talk about types of fabric that are out there. Transparent, translucent, and blackout. Uh, there are a variety of different openness factors that provide varying degrees of visibility, privacy, glare control, and heat protection. Shades can be grouped into three, uh, into these three primary categories. Let's first talk with uh, transparent fabric. Transparent fabric provides sun protection, varying degrees depending on the openness factor, and allows for you to be able to see through it. Typically, um, transparent fabrics have an openness factor between three and 17%. And one of the most important things to remember with a transparent fabric is it is transparent to the side with the most light. So during the day when it's light outside and it's darker in your home, you can see through the shades to the outside world best. When it's dark outside and it's lighter in your home, people standing on the street can see into your house best. So whichever side has the most light, you'll be able to see into um, with transparent fabrics. Translucent fabrics are more of a light filtering fabric um, it has a, a slightly smaller openness factor, generally between 1% and 3%. Um, and just reference for, for sight purposes, a 1% to 3% fabric will typically allow you to see silhouettes, uh, both outside and in. If I had a 1% to 3% fabric on those windows, I would see people moving by, I would see cars move by, but I wouldn't be able to make lines, wouldn't be able to see what kind of car it is. Uh, conversely, if I'm inside, and it's light inside and dark outside, people will know there's somebody in that room, but they're not going to be able to make out faces and, and, and people that just make out shapes uh, with translucent fabrics. Um, they're a good choice for someone who wants a little light coming through, but they want to make sure their privacy is intact, you know, um, during the night. 
Then we have blackout fabrics, and it's exactly what it says. It is a completely blackout fabric. It is 0% openness factor. They provide light. They, they prevent light from coming in. Uh, they also prevent any visibility at all. Uh, great application for rooms where privacy is needed in the residential space, bathrooms and bedrooms. Um, in the commercial space, they're used a lot in boardrooms, places where you have to do AV presentations, uh, where you want to completely black out the room and be able to present in it. Composition of the fabrics that we use um, for certain applications, such as hospitals, education, or owners that have a sustainability focus, people that are going out for LEED certification and points. Knowing the fabric composition is another important tool. Again, every fabric you purchase or specify on a project, you should get um, a list of what those fabrics are made out of. Um, in most of, you know, most fabrics that are out there, they'll be PVC free, they'll be lead free, they're fire retardant, they're mold and bacteria resistant. But as you specify shading materials, you want to make sure that the composition of the fabric is what you're looking for. Now we've decided we're going to put shades on our building. We now have to decide whether we want them to be manual shades. Somebody walks up to them and you know manually raises and lowers them, or if I'm looking at an automated shading solution. So here is um, kind of a, a look at what a manual shading solution will give you. Right? Shades are an elegant solution to a huge building because at their essence, they're not only a physical bar barrier between the interior and the exterior. In a manual system, they're either controlled in a manual or non-controlled system, it's most practical to think of the shades as being opened or closed. Most people during the day aren't going to go raise them or lower them. They're going to either be up or they're going to be down. Um, open shades will reduce the need for electrical lighting. They don't obscure the view, but they might create glare and they're going to allow solar energy to pass through. Closed shades will effectively minimize the glare and reduce the energy um, in addition to insulating, but you're blocking too much natural light. You'll need to raise the power of the overhead fixtures to maintain. Manual shades are kind of a binary, up or down. Um, by utilizing automated shading, uh, here's uh, an example. I'm going to skip that one. In order to use the shades to help with the energy, um, the best thing we can do is automate those shades. They're not then in a open or closed, but they can move and track during the day based on the room itself. Um, if the east gets more sun in the morning, the shade can automatically lower. As the day progresses, the shade can adjust to only block the direct rays of the sun, but to allow light in. In a manual, generally they're down during the day, up in the evening. Whoever walks in, they don't like it, they just lower them down. So where the sun is obviously affects how shades are controlled. So dirt, you know, due to the tilt of the earth, the sun isn't always in the same position. I think we probably all know that. Um, and throughout the year, the summer, the sun is much higher in the sky. The winter, it's much closer to the horizon. The position changes the amount of energy that's transferred, uh, the properties of the light traveling into the building. So not only having a system that's automated to go up during the day, down at night, or vice versa, you need to be able to monitor the space in order to move the shades. So for instance, when the shades, when the, when the sun is low, your shades are down. They manage the light intensity that's coming in. Um, the view is still available because you're using a sheer fabric. Um, conversely, when the sun is high, you can raise the shades 
still maintain a great amount of light coming into the space without having the sun's direct rays coming in. So let's say December 21st at noon, a room shades would be ideally between 50 and 60% closed. The lower position of the sun would mean that light will be directly transferred into the room, increasing solar gain and heat. Lowering the shades will create a comfortable and productive space while saving energy. While on June 21st at noon, a room shades can be nearly completely open. The sun is much higher. There aren't direct rays coming in, and you won't have the same solar gain from the sun, yet you can allow much more light to enter in the room. So, what can automated shades and daylighting controls do for you? Any light can be dimmed. Any, I'm sorry, any dimmed light will result in a substantial energy reduction. Combined with motorized shading, both heat gain and loss is dramatically reduced, keeping heat in or keeping it out. But you need to know how and where to dim and adjust the shades. This is solar tracking. To take it even further, you can integrate it with scheduling, with occupancy sensors, with AV scenes within a room, and again, with photo sensors within a room. Nobody's in the room, the room isn't being used. I know that because I have an occupancy sensor in the space. I can lower the shades completely, turn the lights off in a room, keep the heat out. I don't need light. I can conserve energy in that space. What's required to build the ideal automated shading system like we talked about? Understanding the properties of shades and knowing how the sun's position all play a role in building the ideal system. For shades to work correctly, they need to be controlled by something. An individual shade with an up-down switch isn't much better than just a manual shade. You still need one person to control them. By automating your shades with a control processor, you can now perform many tasks automatically, such as using an astronomical time clock so it can perform time and position calculations of the sun. The processor can automatically command each shade depending on the time of day, the time of year, where the shade is positioned geographically within the building. Um, and then by adding sensing, you combine this preset information with real-time natural light levels. Ultimately, the shade controls should be tied directly to the lighting loads, so when more light comes in, the window the, comes in through the window, the overheads can dim to conserve energy. Control systems allow for preset scenes not only based on time of day, but can also be programmed to adapt based on the time of year, holiday and weekend schedules, creating an integrated system that includes temperature, lighting, and shade control with automation and sensing is the best way to get the most out of your daylighting and energy efficiency solutions. So, a couple things to talk up to, to think about. In 2010, daylighting control became a, require, a mandatory requirement federally, although obviously each city and state will, uh, will enforce those on their own. Uh, the, the benefits of daylight harvesting and shadings go far beyond just the simple energy savings possible. With new technology programs and very simple to use commissioning tools from various manufacturers, it's easier than ever to control shading.